it's that mindset and framing and saying, okay, I got to make the best out of this. Being positive is not going to guarantee anything, but being positive is 100% going to give me a better chance of getting through this. What's up, everyone, and welcome to Studying Failure. I am your host, John Egan, and my goal is to normalize the conversation of failure. I want to help you realize three things. One, you're not alone in your failures. Two, your failure is not final. And three, your failures do not define you. Each week, I'll bring on some incredible guests that will not only share their failures and their journeys, but will also give extremely practical advice on how to change the way you view your failures, setbacks, and adversity. Guys, this week's episode is something special. It is with Mr. No Quit Living himself, Christopher J. Worth, and wow, is it powerful. I mean, we talk about how failure is an event. It's not a person. We talk about how failure leaves clues just like success leaves clues. We talk about how when it comes to challenges and obstacles, we just need to give it one more day. We just need to just just give it one more chance. And then towards the end, he gives this really great bus analogy about when people fail you. And man, that's a really, really powerful five minutes. So you're going to want to make sure you listen in to the whole entire episode so you don't miss out on anything. Guys, make sure while you're listening, take a screenshot of this episode and let Chris and myself know that you're listening to this episode and then send this over to one friend, letting them know how this episode impacted you. So guys, without further ado, let's start studying with Christopher J. Worth. What's up, everyone, and welcome to Studying Failure Today's episode is with the founder and president of No Quit Living, Christopher J. Worth. Now, NQL is a speaking, coaching, and training company that focuses on topics such as accountability, goals, time maximization, and more. Chris aims to motivate and inspire his clients to never give up on themselves, their dreams, or their goals. He's also the host of the No Quit Living podcast, which has been rated a top 50 podcast in iTunes in the business, health, and self-help categories. After playing both basketball and tennis in college, he was a successful high school, college, and AAU basketball coach, which is what initially connected you and I both. Um, and in addition to building and growing No Quit Living, Chris enjoys spending time with his three kids playing sports, reading, traveling, and working out. Chris, I appreciate you, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to you today, brother. That's an awesome introduction. I'm going to, uh, I think, take that and just use that. Yeah, that was uh, that was awesome. Thank you, sir. <laughs> hey, man, you you made it. You you yourself made that introduction. It was just my, uh, I was just able to read it. Um, so, dude, I, again, I appreciate you. Uh, I, was, I was just on your, on your podcast, and that was a blast. And so I, I know that today is going to be a blast as well. Um, Dude, so I want I want to jump right into it because so so no quit living. Right on your website, you've got the three P's. Um, you've got positivity, persistence, and prosperity. And you know I'm all about failure, and I'll, I'm all about learning from failure and having to go through failure. And so, dude, like when we fail, especially multiple times, like <laughs> those are the last three things that we want to think about, man. Like it sucks. We don't want to be positive. We don't want to persist through it. We just want to give into it. So how do we stay positive and, and how do we continue to keep going 
during failure so that we can ultimately prosper. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And I think it's obviously a, a topic that I've studied myself for a long time now. And I'm going to share a Zig Ziglar quote. He's one of my all-time favorites. He has a quote where he says, failure is an event, not a person. Hmm. So to ask your, to answer your question, I think that's where I personally start with looking at and framing what you're going through, framing that situation, that that event, that circumstance where you have quote unquote failed or mm -hmm. you are failing. And at that time, there's only one of two choices to make. One is, is to go through it with that woe is me and kind of just throw in the hat and say, all right, let's just chalk up this L and, and move on. Or the second is, how do I learn from this? How do I grow from this? And, and how do I become better from this? And, and I'd be completely lying if I said it was easy and simple. But what I know for a fact, and it's not from my expertise, it's all it's from my 42 years being on, on this earth, but mostly the amazing people that I've had the opportunity to interview on my podcast and some of the incredible companies and teams and organizations that I've had the chance to to work with. It's you learn during your failures. And mm -hmm. it's it's very easy to smile and be happy when you're winning. It's very easy to celebrate when you're closing all those business deals or everything's going perfectly with your family, friends, what have you. Sure. But it's it's the other side of that coin is what happens when I get knocked down? What happens when you lose that game or two games or three games in a row? Or yeah. You haven't had a sale in your business for two or three weeks, and it's just it's you know you're getting up on a Thursday of that week, and it's just been a grind, and you you feel like you've got your teeth kicked in every day. It's it's that mindset and framing and saying, okay, I got to make the best out of this. Being positive is not going to guarantee anything, mm -hmm. but being positive is a hundred percent going to give me a better chance of getting through this. Yeah, I like that. It's it's going to at least get yourself in the room, right? Like you're going to at least give yourself an opportunity. I've got two two questions and, and that come to mind, you know, from what you said. One, do you think it's okay for us to wallow in it for a certain amount of time? And and then two, how do we make sure that we don't stay there? Like, because mm -hmm. that can be really, really easy to just stay put there because it's comfortable and it's okay, and then you got people like feeding into it. So yeah, how do how do we make sure we don't stay there, man? Yeah, it's, that's a that's a great question. So. I would say for the first part of that question is no, it's not okay to wallow in it in the sense of just sitting there. But when I coached and even when I played a bunch of my, my coaches and, and a bunch of the teams that I was a coach on, we had a 24 hour rule. And what I meant by that was, and what I was taught and I've obviously tweaked it and changed it as you can celebrate a loss for not celebrate a loss. You can celebrate a win for 24 hours yeah. or you can address a loss for 24 hours. And what I mean by that is you can go home and you can look at that, that loss and you could watch game tape. You can look at film, mm -hmm. whether it's, whether it's in the sales world or business or relationship, you can go ahead and look at that. But ultimately you have to then take action. And the 24 hour rule was, was interesting. And it was actually, it came into play a lot when I was a high school coach, because a lot of parents, or players would want to come up the game right after the game happens. So, well, I want to, you know, how come my son didn't play or, or, you know, what are we going to do next game? And I'd say, okay, look, right. we, we understand what's happened. Let's address it. You know, emotions are high or low. Let's, let's take some time. And to your second question is how do you get out of it is, is if you instill that kind of that rule or, or that mentality within yourself that, no matter how high or how low, we're not going to stay here. And that's way easier said than done, mm -hmm. but it's extremely powerful 
for all phases of life because what I love about basketball is it's that next play mentality. Yeah. Not that I'm, I'm saying basketball is better than other sports, but for example, if you're a baseball player and let's say you play outfield, you're a left fielder, you get a, a ball hit to you in the second inning and, and you flub it and you drop it, you make an error, and the guy who should have been out is now on, on first base. Mm-hmm. You might not get another chance in the outfield for a couple innings, or you might not get one that entire game. Basketball, I think, is is a sport that's so similar to life. And the, and the other sport that I equate it to when in the team perspective is is tennis. You know, doubles yeah. or doubles or singles is, you know, you, you get a ball hit back to you. You know, you serve, you know, first game of the match and you have a terrible serving game. You know, after the next game when the your opponent serves, you'll be serving then. So it's really, I think, bookending that that win or loss, that high or low with the mindset that it's okay to celebrate this. It's okay to be happy about it. It's okay to enjoy in it, but we also have to come back tomorrow. And then the flip side for that loss or not getting that sale or losing that relationship is it's okay to look at this. It's okay to be disappointed. And it's okay actually to even be sad and show emotion, but what's not okay is to continue to turn into one day to two days to one week to three weeks. And I think if you can frame it within something that's doable, getting in or getting out of it is, is something that's much easier. I love that, man. And that, that made me think of, I, I wrote an article a while back about, um, like we talked about this in your podcast about using your phone, using your timer of setting a timer for yourself after that loss, after that failure in the sense of whether it's 10 minutes, whether it's three hours, whether it's 24 hours, set yourself that timer to, to like, to feel it, to feel it because that feeling sucks. But that feeling right there can be can be what ultimately then pushes you out of it. So then once that timer goes off, you know in your mind, like, all right, time to get right back at it. What did I learn from this? How can I take away from this? And 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 I love that that 24 hour rule, man. That's that's really, really good. So your your three words are no quit living, right? Do you ever think though that there is a time for us to hang it up? Do you think that there is a time for us to say, you know, this, uh, this just isn't for me anymore, man. Like I need to go a different route. If so, and I see you smiling. So if, if so, why? And if not, then the same question, like why, why don't you think there is? Yeah. You know, it's, it's so interesting. I've, I've had the fortune of being a guest on, on a bunch of shows and some people that I look up to have asked me that question. And the first time I, I got asked, I was, you know, it was like deer in headlights. I'm like, ah, oh, you, no, you, you never quit. And, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, I'm the host of the No Quit Living podcast. And this is my company. So, you know, from the perspective of like, no, you don't ever stop no matter what. And sure. what I've realized over time is there are times to quit certain things. For example, if a relationship is is getting physical, if mm-hmm. a relationship is getting disastrous, whether there's drugs or abuse or things like that. If a business is failing to the perspective of, you know, you're going in debt and it's just, it's, you know, piling up to the point where, you know, you're not going to get out of it. There are definitely times and situations in, in life where, where you quit. For example, owners of teams will, will have to say to someone, look, you know, we need to make a, we need to make a change. And in essence, what they're doing is they're quitting on that person being their head coach or their assistant coach. Yeah. I can't say right or wrong. I can't say, you know, this is level seven, you get to it. And once you get to level eight or nine, but there are definitely situations where, where you have to quit when, 
when things are going to that perspective, when it's getting physical, when it's getting to the point of somebody's going to take potentially their life or somebody else's, you know, whether it's drinking and, and, and those type of perspectives. But I'll share something that a gentleman by the name of Mike Alden shared on my show way back when is he was talking about running a marathon. Okay. And, and he was talking about that that infamous 22nd, 23rd, 24th mile. And depending yeah. on where it is, sometimes there's a little bit of a hill or incline. But he said, I got to that point and he said, I had to slow down. And he said, I started walking. He said, I didn't quit. I didn't give up. He said, I had to, I had to slow down and reassess where I was going, reassess where, where I was, and then continue to move forward. And mm. that's what I think in life is maybe you take a different angle. Maybe you take a different approach. Jocko Willink, who, who's unbelievable, very, Jocko, su- man. very successful in, in yeah. many ways. But he had he said something in the video that I saw, ironically, uh, about two years ago. It was a couple days before I had a very large speaking event in New York City. And it framed how how I kind of was, was going to talk about my company. But in the video, he talks about, you know, you might want to give up. You might want to, you know, not keep going, but don't do it today. You know, okay. don't quit today. Give yeah. it one more. Give it one more day. And that's one of the things I, I share with people is when it comes to challenges, when it comes to obstacles, when it comes to maybe being in pain mm-hmm. in regards to training or working out. You know, just give it one more day. It sure. doesn't. It doesn't mean that you're buying a mortgage on that and you're saying, okay, I'm never going to give up for the next you know two years nonstop. But it's that mentality of similar to what we talked about on my show with David Goggins is, is you can go a teeny bit more. It's not going to be easy and simple. And when you tell yourself in the mind, I'm going to go, it doesn't, you know, flip a switch just doesn't flip and you say, I'm going to do it. It's still yeah. difficult. It's still hard. Maybe it's painful. Maybe you're, you're sweating your butt off, but it's just not quitting today and, and giving it one more chance and, and don't throw the towel in today and come back tomorrow. It doesn't mean, like I said, you're going forever, but just give it one more day. I love that. Just give it one more. Why? Uh... Man, again, like I'm, I'm all about failure, right? The show is all about failure and framing your failure. Why do you think people quit after they fail? Whether it's the failing the first time, fifth time, tenth time, twelfth time, why do you think people throw in the towel? Why do you think they say just are so quick to say, "Oh, this isn't for me. Oh, I'm 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 not going to do this anymore. This obviously this isn't the path for me." So why do you think people are so quick to do that? Because the mind gives up before the body does. So how do we then frame the mind to make sure that the body, you know, that the mind doesn't give up before the body does? Yeah, it's it, it it's something that I've I've studied for a while, and and obviously we spoke about Jocko and and David Goggins is is very similar in the mindset of of that mental perseverance. So I do a bunch of exercises with my clients. One of the things that that I'm a firm believer in is affirmations and visualization and meditation. And and I want to preface the meditation perspective because I think most people get it completely wrong. They assume it's got to be, you know, 60 minutes or 90 minutes sitting in a room, completely silent at a certain temperature. What I realized, and I was one of those, one of those people that said, oh, you know, it's, it's this foo-foo meditation and I don't have, you know, four hours a day to sit in a room by myself, but it's, it's just for some people, a couple minutes a day. It's for some people, it's maybe a minute in the morning, maybe a minute at night. But I go through those affirmations, those visualizations, those meditation, or even just breathing and calming down and saying, okay, to my answer before is we, we can keep going. We can do this one more. We can we can get through it. And it's just like a muscle, you know, perseverance and, and, and keep going on any aspect of it. 
it's just like a muscle. You know, it's like you go to the gym the first time, you're not going to bench press 300 pounds. Now, maybe if you're built like the rock or something like that, you can, <laughs> but for, for most of us, quote unquote, normal people, yeah. we have to go through the progression of first time in the gym, understanding what it, what it is to bench press and then putting a little bit of weight on and then a week, two weeks, three weeks, putting a little bit more on. And yep. it's the same thing with, with your mind. And I know a bunch of, of college coaches that I've had the opportunity to work with them as well as their teams. And it's something, like I said, it's just like a muscle. It's you get to a challenge. And so how do you do that from a game perspective? You try to recreate some of that in practice. So for example, you have a, maybe let's say your starting team and all of a sudden you put them in a drill and now they're down six points. Mm-hmm. And now they have a minute and 10 seconds to get out of that hole. So if and when that comes a week, a month, a year from now, they can go back in their mind and say, you know what, we were in a similar situation. We're not going to guarantee that it's going to be exactly the same, but we've been there before. We've trained our mind. We've trained our body. Now we know how to attack it. Again, it doesn't guarantee success, yeah. but at least you have that confidence and it's building that momentum and it's using it as a muscle as opposed to something that you think it's going to just happen where you snap your fingers and you have it. It takes time. Right, right. Well, and I think that's the important thing is that it takes time, Chris. Like it takes time. It's so easy for us to look at, uh, let's say someone like yourself, right? Where you are speaking, you have this top 50 iTunes podcast. Like, and it's so easy for us to be like, well, he's there. Like I can never get there, but let's, let's, uh, let's rewind a little bit. Like where you were like what, three, four years ago, you were, you were just starting, you were just getting off, but, but you were, you were putting in the work every, you know, you were putting out podcasts every Tuesday, Thursday, you were doing that. You were speaking, you were connecting with people. You were doing the consistent work every day. And now look, you know, fast forward three, four years down the road, boom, top 50 podcasts. And it's just about doing the little things, just being consistent and just putting in the work, man. Oh, I got it. I got to interject for one second. You said something that just that hit me in a good way is one of the one of the things we've been talking about with the company and also personally for the month of September is using the word consistency, not perfection. And when you said something about comparing, for example, somebody's success, let's say a podcast, and I'm at over 300 episodes, you're not at that number at that number yet. So what do we all do? And we're all guilty of myself as well is and especially in the social media world is we're comparing ourselves against people's highs. What I mean, what I mean by that is you look at Joe Rogan, he's got the number one rated show. Of course we all want to be successful. Nobody starts anything in life and says, you know what? I want to be really mediocre at best. (laughs) I, I, you know what, actually I take it back. I'd like to fail and I'd like to fail, you know, really aggressively very quickly. No, it's the opposite. You want to be successful. Yeah. But what we all do is we look at the best. There's a reason Sports Center is the most popular show. It's because it takes the best 10, 15 seconds of a two, three hour game. And it doesn't show you the two hours where it's really boring and yeah. it's not. It's like, here's the best. And that's the same thing that social media does. Most people on social media, they put out their absolute best. They think about what they're going to do. Well, what's John going to like or comment on? And mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that it's what they really feel or think. It's it's people are going for these highlight reels of, well, what's going to get the most likes or comments? And, and not that you don't want to be successful, but you can't compare yourself to somebody else's best. And you can't look at somebody else's highlight reel, especially when they've been in the league or they've been in this game for a long time. I always give the analogy of Kobe Bryant. Yeah. I, I'm a huge basketball fan, obviously, as you are. Kobe Bryant, in my eyes, is a top five basketball player of all time. Oh, easily. I 
was a huge fan of of all different eras, all different genres of of all sports, but specifically basketball. Mm-hmm. If you look at Kobe Bryant's rookie year in the playoffs, he shot three horrific air balls his first year against the, against the Utah Jazz. Yep. And what he didn't do is he didn't put his head down. And what Shaq did is Shaq went over and put his arm around him. You know, they had some beef later on, but Shaq put his arm around him because he had people that did that for him early on. Yeah. And he he said, put your head up, keep your head up. And Kobe Bryant put the work in, but he didn't have success from day one. Michael Jordan, his first couple of years, the Chicago Bulls were horrific. Yeah. They had, they had subpar performance. Their, their fans were literal to none in the, in the arena, but they kept going and, and Jordan and Kobe and all those guys stepped up because they wanted to improve it, but they didn't compare themselves. If Kobe did that, if he said, all right, you know what? My rookie year, I'm done. He would not have been to the level that he got to, but it's what you do from that. It's how you learn from that. And to your point and why I love not only your podcast, but what, what you do is you study failure. Yeah. And, and ultimately, no matter how much studying you do, no matter how much preparing you do, no matter how much video you watch, the biggest misconception is you have to ultimately take action. You can't just be a, a studier of something. You can't just be a watcher of it. The next step is the most important step is going ahead and taking action. And that's where a lot of the people miss the boat because they think, well, I've studied, I've read, now I'm good. You said, no, now you got to go out. And to your point of, about the podcast, it's very painful for me to, to go back and listen to the first many episodes of my show because <laughs> – I was I was Kobe Bryant shooting those air balls, and I'm not in any way saying my podcast is even comparable to Kobe Bryant. But my point is, I hope that we all get better, but don't compare your first versus somebody's last or their best. Ooh, Chris, come on, man, that's come good, on, brother. Baby. <laughs> Dude, so you mentioned you you said the podcast studying failure, and I wanted to ask you the importance and why, like. What's the importance of one studying our own failure and then two also studying people around us, like studying their failures, like especially in, you know, you're a, let's just say, let's again, let's just take Kobe, like study his failures, right? Study those three air balls and then study what he did after that. So how, like how important is it for us to study and how much time should we give studying our own failures and studying other people's failures? I'm going to flip a flip the script for a second. So you've heard the saying or the quote, success leaves clues, correct? I love it. Love it. So, so my fault to that is so does failure. Failure leaves clues. Yeah. And, and if you only study success and if you only study the best, what's going to happen when, when the best of the best comes and it's a great day, a great game, a great sales meeting, you're going to hundred percent be, well, this is great. This is easy. Yeah. But what happens when, you have a tough day. What happens when you lose that game? You lose that battle. And now all of a sudden you're going into your your backpack full of tricks and all you have are successes, victory, best sales day, highest commission, you know, 10 game winning streak. You have nothing to compare it to. Mm-hmm. So obviously I'm a, I'm a basketball and a sports guy. A couple of super, super Bowls ago, Tom Brady and the Patriots were down 28 to three. Oof, sorry, Falcons. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, Falcons. Any, sorry uh, any Atlanta fans. Sorry, man. But Chris, go ahead. <laughs> 20, 28 to three. They were not winning. They were losing going mm-hmm. into halftime. I would say most teams, most players, most coaches would 
prepare for a loss. What yeah. I mean by that is come out and say, okay, let's save face. We're not going to win the game, but if we can get within seven or 10 points, that'll be a quote unquote victory. Right. I don't know what was said in that locker room, but there, there are a few times in my, in my life that just being a sportsman, I would have absolutely loved to be in that locker room at halftime to listen to what coach Belichick said, mm-hmm. but more importantly, to listen to what the players said both to themselves and within themselves. And I think it's during those times of challenge where where you have to go ahead and say, okay, how can I learn from this? Or going back into my backpack full of tricks. I've been in that situation before. I've been in a similar situation. So I think to your question, a little bit long-winded is, you know, success leaves clues, but so does failure. You don't want to overstudy only one area and, and understudy or, or not study a certain perspective. Right. But you want, to, you want to try to prepare yourself. And John Wooden, who I had the fortune of actually having dinner with um, many, many years ago. Unbelievable, unbelievable man. Obviously, it's impossible to say who the best coach of all time is because it's just like saying somebody that played 50 years ago versus now. It's there's no way to really compare it. Right. But Coach Wooden never scouted an opponent. Now, think about that for a second. The all time winningest collegiate basketball coach seven ncaa championships in a row think about that for a second we've had a couple times of having back to back and it's been amazing he did seven in a row that's wild what he did with his team is he was meticulous he was consistent and he prepared them by being the best at what they could control Mm -hmm. i don't think he had said it to that same way obviously i don't know but it's the idea of controlling the controllables he could control his team he could control how they practiced, what they practiced, the drills they did, the preparation they did. And as as an unbelievably successful coach, for him it worked. Now, nobody could say you have to do this or you have to do that. But yeah. seven championships in a row, ten in total, clearly he had something and he did something well. But it's it was he was consistent. And you've used that word before. And it's back to what I said earlier is it's about being consistent, not being perfect. Yeah, I love that. And two thoughts come to mind. One with John Wooden. So he had 10 championships in total. But those first few years that he was coaching at UCLA were tumultuous, right? Like, he, I mean, he, he, he didn't win his first championship until how many years in? Yeah. I, right? I, like, I, I don't remember the exact number, but it's, again, like with that one, with John Wooden, it could be so easy just to say, oh, he had 10 championships, man. What, what, a, what a breeze for him. He got the best players in the country. No, no wonder he won 10. But no, man, those first few years were tough, like really tough. The second thing was um, about, you know, not uh, about progress over perfection. And that's something that I've been talking to my daughter a lot about lately. So she's four and she is ultra competitive. And nice. it definitely comes from me. And my wife looks at me sometimes and is like, John, what? Like, come on. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, I'd rather it be that way. Um, but so she likes to race a lot, right? She likes to race either going up the stairs or just around the house or whatever. And when we race, she will pull on my shirt. She will try to like push me out of the way. She'll do stuff like that. And I'll stop her and be like, Hey, like focus on what you need to focus on. Don't focus on me as, you know, as the competitor, focus on you racing faster, focus on that next step for you. And that's ultimately going to get you to the end rather than pushing me, shoving me, ripping my shirt, whatever it might be. Um, I love it. I, I, um, I, I have to jump in. I, I, I agree with what you're saying. That's, that's, 
that's super important. But I'm, uh, but I'd be lying if I said uh, I'm not a little bit happy the fact that she tries to trip you and knock you down before she goes because she's four and and she's realizing that you know what I got to get any man. <laughs> It's hilarious. Like just yesterday we were running around the house and she was, I mean, my shirt was stretched out and she, and, and then whenever she loses Chris, she, like she loses it. Like she just can't stand it. And so that's uh that's a fun trying to like, you know, uh, it gets, it gets better. Don't, uh, don't you worry. It gets even yeah. better. As older. <laughs> um, but so I was going to ask you, man, you know, like we don't want to just always talk about our successes, successes, successes. What are some of your own failures, both personally and professionally that you've gone through and, and why were they so important for you to go through? Like what lessons did you learn through those that if you wouldn't have gone through them, you, I don't, you, you don't think you would have learned those lessons. You know, it's a really difficult question because I've never failed at anything ever. Um, no, that's a awesome <laughs> question. And, uh, you know, for me, you know, you and I know each other fairly well. I went through a, a pretty brutal, uh, two and a half year divorce. And I would say by the definition of that is definitely failed in, in that perspective. And, but to your follow-up question is the next day, the next week, the next month it comes, you know, and just mm-hmm. like that 24 hour rule. And, I'd be lying if I said it was easy and I just snapped my finger and I was like, oh, that's cool. Moving on. There's times where you question yourself. There's times where you question, could I have done this? Should I have done that? But it gets to a point where there's that closure in it and it happened to me. And I had to assess where where I was within my own life. And I realized that it was the best thing for me. It was mm-hmm. the best thing for her. It was the best thing for our kids. Not right now. It was definitely challenging, but moving forward. And for me, I learned a lot about myself in regards to my mental awareness, my ability to to compartmentalize certain things and focus on going back to what you shared with your daughter, what I can control. I couldn't control my ex's feelings. I couldn't control my ex's emotions or her actions or her reactions. But what I could control are the way I handled it. And I could mm-hmm. control what I said to my children and what I will say to my children and how I will continue to be a positive force in their life. And and that for me was was a just huge, huge challenging moment in my life. And I'd be lying if I said, um, I'm glad I went through it and and I'm really appreciative of of that time because it was painful and it was challenging. Sure. But now I'm able to say, and and this is is probably pretty shocking to hear, but I'm now able to say that it didn't happen to me. It actually happened for me. Wow. And and for me at this point right now in my life, I'm okay with that. Um, I wasn't okay with that early on during the middle of, during the challenging times. Uh, but I definitely, um, I definitely learned, learned from that, from, from changing lanes for a second to a, a professional perspective. Yeah. I think, and, and I might be biased a little bit, you might be as well, but I think basketball is, is a sport that has, continuous lessons and ways for you to quote unquote fail all the time. And, and what I love about Michael Jordan, I'm a huge Michael Jordan fan is Mm -hmm. I know you've seen the commercial. We've all seen the commercial. There's a a bunch of posts and memes and things in that matter, excuse me, but he talks about the shots he's taken. He talks about the shots he's missed. He talks about the times he's had the opportunity to have that game winning shot and missed. Yeah. But then he also talks about 
how those failures allowed him to be successful. And I'm definitely biased in some way, shape or form towards Michael Jordan, but he's, I feel the greatest of all time. And you go by the fact that he was six and zero in NBA championships. The other stat most people don't remember is he never played a game seven in the NBA finals ever. And again, there's, there's a bunch of things we can go back and, and there's a generation of, of, you know, my father, your father, grandparents, grandfathers that would talk about Bill Russell having 11 championships and things like that. So I, I can't say just like nobody can say this baseball player is the best. Right. But my point of, of going back to the basketball perspective is Michael Jordan made a decision to learn from those those losses, to learn from those failures. And it goes back to to the quote I shared about Zig Ziglar is failure is an event, not a person. So I'm able to frame those basketball losses and failures as an event. Mm-hmm. I'm now able to, and it was very difficult, but I'm now able to frame that divorce as being a failed divorce, not framing myself as a failure. And I think so many people that get divorced or get cut from a team or lose a job or don't get that promotion, they then wallow in that. And you fast forward a week later, a year later, two years later, they're still talking about how the divorce wasn't my fault or, and then you fast forward five, 10 years from now. And those same people are in that same place. And I made a decision and, and full transparency, it was not easy and it's still difficult now and it's still challenging and it's going to be difficult for some time down the road, but mm-hmm. I'm now able to frame it. And I'm a big quotes guy that, that quote by Zig Ziglar really hit me back then. And it really hits me now, as I, I say it a second time, because it's something that I think your, your listeners and, and you, you've got an amazing show and I love your message of what you do and how you do it. But, you know, people need to really take that with a grain of salt because it, it's, it's there for a reason. People have yeah. lessons, people share stories, people have, amazing quotes for 100, 200 years later because they're powerful. But it's also those quotes and those games and those stories and those books are successful because those people lived through it and they were able to teach their lesson, maybe not directly, but indirectly. And I think it's it's important to to frame certain things as as not event, as events, excuse me, as opposed to a person. Man, how long did it take you for you to be able to frame that from, hey, man, like, this happened to me and this sucked to, Hey, this happened for me. How long did that take for you? Like, what was that time timeline? Uh, time frame? Long time. It, it was, it was definitely, I'd say probably two thirds of the way through the two and a half year to uh, divorce where, you know, and, and I'm a big believer in, mm-hmm. in journaling and, and I was writing stuff down in my journal that I didn't believe at the time. And I don't mean that I'm a hypocrite, but what I mean by that is, I believe in the science behind visualization, behind putting a pen or pencil to paper, as opposed to there's science and there's studies of actual writing something down as opposed to typing it. And yeah, I, I read a bunch, bunch of different books about divorce and divorce with kids and, and just getting through it. And I was writing this stuff down and I didn't believe it at the time, but I knew that if I continually did it, and to your point about being consistent, mm-hmm. I knew that at some point, I didn't know when I didn't know it was you know, going to be the second Tuesday of February or whatever, sure. but I knew that it, it's going to put myself in a situation. And going back to the coaching perspective is, you know, this, I know this, there's not a single basketball team that goes undefeated and they win every game and they're always ahead all the time. Yeah. So if you, if you prepare for, okay, we're down by two points end of the first quarter or we're up, we're up by four points and there's three minutes. If you put yourself in those situations, mm-hmm. if, and when they happen, 
you're better able to handle. Now, again, I, I want to preface it doesn't mean just because you prepare for something that you're going to be undefeated if and when that, those circumstances ever come, but you're going to give yourself a better opportunity to win or to be able to handle that if and when that, that does come. Yeah. Preparing yourself, um, being ready. So, I mean, sticking to that, like relationally with people, right? Because daily, I mean, dealing with people, like people are going to fail you, like especially those closest to you, like they are going to let you down and it is going to hurt and it is going to suck big time. So how should we respond? Like when people do fail us, whether that's a spouse, a business partner, whatever it might be, how should we respond when people fail us? Fight. No. Um, <laughs> Throw I, up in the hands, man. I grab some boxing gloves. No, I, I use an analogy all the time and, and a bunch of my friends and people that have seen me speak, they, they know I, I always use it. But I talk about who's in your bus, who's on your tribe, who's in your tribe and who's in your corner. And the mm-hmm. bus analogy I love is to answer your question is let's say a bus has 10 rows. Okay. And to, and to your point, people are going to let you down and it hurts more and it's more painful when it's a friend or family member that you're close to. Obviously, if you if you didn't know anybody and, and they were mean or something, you'd be like, all right, that's cool. I don't care. But, <laughs> right. but what I realized during during my divorce is that in life, people are going to get on and off your bus. But more importantly, people will sit in different rows for a reason. So, for example, your best friend all throughout your childhood, maybe you go through middle school, high school together, mm-hmm. and maybe you even stay in touch in, in college he or she is maybe in your first or second row for 15, 16, 17 years. But life happens, kids, married, whatever it is. And now all of a sudden, maybe they're in the third or fourth or fifth row. It doesn't mean you don't care about them. It doesn't mean that they're not important. But right now, they're not sitting in that first or second row. Mm -hmm. The other thing I realized during this challenging time is people have to get off of your bus so you can let, so you can have room to let those other people on. And Mm. Candidly speaking, there were there were a bunch of people that during my divorce, you know, they were not there for me as they were in the past. And I don't in any way mean that they're bad people. But what I realized is for them to maybe go from the third or fourth row to the seventh or eighth row or for them maybe to step off of my bus, it allowed somebody else to. And and Bob Berg, who's an unbelievably successful author, yeah. he was he was uh, or he is a, a very good friend of mine and mentor of mine. He said something to me that I didn't understand at the time. He said, people come on and off your bus for different reasons. He said, maybe sometimes someone will be on your bus for your entire life. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're only going to be on your bus for a very short period of time. And what I realized after that as well is just because somebody gets off your bus today doesn't mean that they might not get back on two exits from now, a week from now, a year from now. But if you if you allow that person to get off your bus for his or her reasons or your reasons, and you do it in a respectful way, yeah. it allows them to a week, a month, a year, five years from now, be willing to get back on. And I think that's the thing that I realized, and it was difficult. And to your point, you know, I felt let down in some ways, but I also really looked in that self-accountability mirror and I identified a couple of times where maybe I had not been, you know, in that third or fourth Oof. row for somebody when they needed it. And it was a self-realization. And during this time, it's come full circle, but I've really, really taken to the concept and idea of, of gratitude and what I call the attitude of gratitude. And, and I'm super appreciative. Not that I wasn't before. I think I've always been appreciative of things, but sure. you understand you appreciate more as you go through challenging times. 
Wow, man. Oof. I, I love that analogy of letting people off the bus and knowing that they might come back on at a, at a later time down the road. Just right at that time might not be what's best for both parties. I, I, I love that analogy, man. That's that's really, really good. Um, what's being a dad taught you about failure and even uh, about success as well? Oh, man. Uh, being a dad is is the best, the worst, the highs, the lows in the sense of just from the, from teaching you about failure and successes. And I I don't mean it's, it's the worst in the sense of anything other than it just puts it right in front and center. You know, you have those amazing experiences, but I'll say the one thing about being, being a dad is just like, just like being a mother. And I've, I've never been a mother, but I assume it's very similar is, is you're always, you're always learning. You're always on your toes. And in today's day and age of, of things going quicker, faster, you know, instant, instant, this instant, that yeah. I'd say for me, it's like drinking out of a fire hose and mm-hmm. um, it's, it's just a challenge. And it's something that I hope I can continue to get better at. I hope I'm not even near the you know top of, of the surface. Or I haven't scratched the surface, excuse me, of, of being a quote unquote good father, because for me, you know, there's no book that you can read. You know, there's there are obviously books about being a dad and all that stuff, but there's no book that's a manual or a handbook that says, "Here, Christopher J. Worth, this is exactly what your kids are going to go through." And <laughs> if and when November second happens in 2021, just turn to page 14. Right. It's it's completely the opposite. Where this happens, that happens, and all of a sudden, but you know it. It's it's the most rewarding thing. Mm-hmm. It's the most challenging thing, and. The one thing that I'm sure a ton of people have shared with you and a, a bunch of people shared with me is it goes by so quickly. Holy smokes, dude. I mean, my daughter is four already and I'm like, how are you four? And knowing that <clears throat> even my son, like he's already three weeks old. Like where did the last three weeks go? Where did the last four years go? Like what in the world, man? Like it's crazy. It's crazy, but I, I love it. Like you know, like the highs and the lows of being a dad. I mean, like a few nights ago, I got so angry with my daughter, so angry with her. And I'm just like, you know, it's at bedtime and I'm just, you know, I I got so frustrated and I got mad and, and then I had to leave the room. My wife came in and, and later that night, I'm like, she's four, man. Like, like I, like I went out for a run and I'm like, I failed as a dad tonight. Like I did, I failed as a dad. But the cool thing was the next morning, my daughter came to see me, huge smile on her face, like, like it had never even happened. I'm like, wow, like that's, that's incredible. Like she's, she's incredible. And it's, it's nothing of my doing. That's for sure. Um, it changes a little bit more the older they get, they, you have to, you know, buy them something or take <laughs> ice cream. Uh, but no, it's, you know, you said something and I just want to frame it too, because what you said was, first of all, I appreciate your, your candor. And I think, it's again learning from those those challenges, but your words, your definition, not me. You failed that night as a, as a father. So, mm-hmm. what do you do? Do you allow that to then go into the next day and the next day and the I, next day, or you admit it, you own it, and you say, "I failed tonight as a father." Yep. And I'm not going to fail tomorrow. And that's for me something that that I've I've really been super cognizant of is is compounding those. And I have a saying: we talk about compete every day. And if you go to bed at night. And and Kara Lawson, the women's coach at Duke, just put a video out two two weeks ago about so competing every day. And she said, you know, if, if that day you didn't compete, you know, make sure you own it, but then don't have two days in a row. And and I I, I must have shared that with probably 
50 or 75 people just individually, not a poster. And they just text message it, a couple of emails and it hit me. And that's the same thing that we all have to look about, look at, excuse me. And yeah. all is look, I failed today or we lost this game today. You know what? Let's not lose two in a row. Yep. Let's sh- sure as heck not lose three in a row. And it's way easier said than done, but it's so important if you frame it again, back to that Zig Ziglar quote is, is you're not a failure. You're not a loser. You just lost that game or you failed this opportunity and you know what now you have another one tomorrow or the next day and if and when it comes you know try to make sure you don't go through it again the same way well dude here's the crazy part is so that happened uh last week sometime and then it was either the next night or the night before um you know i'm i'm tired and i'm you know and she's like you know it's it's almost the same situation and i'm having this conversation in my head of like okay i failed the other night that doesn't mean like that was an event I failed that event. That doesn't mean I'm a bad dad. That doesn't mean I'm a failure of a dad. But then I was like, okay, that feeling of seeing her cry because I was so frustrated or mad, that feeling of me being like, man, that sucked. I was like, I don't want to feel that again. And so what do I need to do? I need to make sure I'm patient. I need to fully communicate with her. And so like just doing that right there. And that took maybe 15 to 20 seconds, right? Like that was so quick. But I was like, I don't want that to happen again. And it was, it ended up going so, so smooth. And we ended up having a good night, read books. She fell asleep and all was good. And I was like, wow, like reflection, reflect, study that failure. So Mm -hmm. important. Yeah, no. And I appreciate, I appreciate you sharing that. Hopefully your, your listeners took some of that too, because it's, it's during those tough moments that we really, we really learn and grow. Yeah. Last couple of questions for you, Chris. I appreciate you, brother. This has been a lot of fun, man. You are you are the man on your podcast when you were talking on the phone. Um, I mean, you're like you're it, dude. Like you, you don't have to like turn on the lights and all of a sudden you're this you're a totally different dude. Like you are you are it. You you're living it, man. And so I I appreciate you, brother. I appreciate you saying that. I uh, I don't believe that in the sense of uh, it's nice to hear, but it's it's just uh, every day it's for me and and I'm super humbled and grateful to be able to do what I do and, and being able to share our mission and message with other people is awesome. That's really cool, man. Um, well, dude, I'd be remiss because you've got a, you've got a book, the positivity tribe that you just wrote. Um, so talk to me just briefly about the positivity tribe. What is it? What's it about? Why do you write it? And, um, and where can even people get a hold of it? That's like six questions in one. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate it. So uh, real real mm. simple is uh, my company and I, a bunch of us, we've been spreading what we call are these positivity notes and throughout the last year. And well, all it was is it started off as putting these positivity notes on random people's cars right under their windshield wiper with a positive message and then asking them to take a picture and tag it on social media. And we didn't do that because we wanted to be you know, famous on social media, but we did it for a reason is we wanted people to share it. We didn't Mm -hmm. obviously know what was going to come about and where, if it was going to go anywhere, but we started doing them in Connecticut and New York. And then people started asking, Hey, how do I buy them? Where can I get them? And we started sending them out to people. And as of the recording of this, we've spread out over 12,000 positivity notes in six, six countries and 36 States. Um, but the, the premise of the book is I was actually writing a different book in January, February, in the beginning of March, and the pandemic happened. I run a, or I'm part of a Tuesday night uh, mastermind group, and we titled ourselves The Positivity Tribe. And it was during that time where the gentleman I wrote the book with, Chris Wilberding, 
we were having a Wednesday morning accountability call and I said to him, we're going to write this book. And he was kind of like, oh yeah, no, okay. With all the free time and you know, yeah. you're writing another book and sure. And I said to him, no, I said, we're going to write it. Long story short, it's a fable similar to, to John Gordon. It's about three high school juniors that are going through personal struggles in their own life's challenges and their three best friends. And they create this quote unquote positivity tribe. And what they do is they spread positive notes throughout the school, their community, and there's a bunch of life lessons in it. And what they realize, and one of the one of the messages in the book is, we rise by lifting others up. And what they come that. to realize during during this this book is, not only do they help uplift other people, not only do they see the the positive impact they're having, but the flip side and the end result is by doing that, they ultimately feel better themselves. So it's a really quick, easy read. Like I said, very similar to. John Gordon type book or the coffee bean that he wrote with Damon West. You can get it anywhere books are sold, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, Books a Million, or you can head over to uh, our website. We have it there as well, thepositivitytribe.com. But it's been a, a fantastic um, journey. Uh, I actually writing a second and third book as, as we speak. So it's nice. one of those things that so many people told me that's addictive. And I think, unfortunately, uh, I bit the bug. So <laughs> going after it. Well, the world is better for it, man. I started diving into it myself the other day. And uh, it's it's a good read, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to finishing it up. I appreciate it, brother. Um, where, uh, where can people follow you, get in touch with you, man? Yeah, so I always give my personal email address. I absolutely love connecting with people. It's Chris at noquitliving.com. And then we're all over social media, uh, No Quit Living on Instagram. We're probably most active on Instagram, but we're also active on Facebook as well, Twitter. And then our website is noquitliving.com. But I hope something, you know, as I said on my show, and you know, this is my objective every single day with everything I do is to positive impact just one person. And if you compound that over a day, a week, a month, a year, you're having a, a significant impact. And the one thing you don't know, and I don't know, is does somebody else share that message with somebody else? And then they share it with somebody else. So my true hope is that I hope this, something I said today resonated with people and, and you know, just to keep going, don't, don't give up. But I'd love to connect with anybody that would love to connect. And again, I'm super, super glad for uh, the opportunity to be here. Yes, sir. Chris, I've got just one last question for you, man. Last, last question, wrapping it up. I ask this at the end of every episode, you get 60 seconds to look straight into a phone and you get to take a video, you take, get to take a message and then blast it to everyone and it goes directly to their phones. And this message is on success and on failure. We all know that as soon as that phone dings, like we pick it up immediately. And so no matter what people's language is, no matter where they're located, it gets sent directly to them. So what, what would be your message? What would be your 60 seconds that you want to share with people on failure and even on success? Well, wow, that's a, that's an awesome question. I think I would, I would simplify it in the sense that again, using that, that quote by Zig Ziglar is, is failure is an event, not a person. And where we are today during this pandemic, not only nationally, but throughout the globe, I I've said something a lot is, and again, I shared it before. It's one of the premises uh, prep it's one of the things that we focus on in the book excuse me is we rise by lifting others up yeah we have this this image of if you celebrate somebody else's success it it reduces the chance for you and that's that's something that is a hundred percent not true so my 60 seconds would be focused on on that the quote by zig ziglar the concept and idea we rise by lifting others up but also the the quote or the concept that 
celebrating somebody else's success doesn't eliminate or reduce your opportunity of success. And why don't we realize that we are stronger together than yeah. we are individually? And if if we did that as a, as a country, as a world, I think we'd be in a much better place. And, you know, the one question I would say is, is I hope is that is that 60 seconds people would get a chance to go almost be forced to listen to or watch the whole thing because statistics show that people watch something between three and seven seconds. And if it doesn't captivate them and really hit them, they're on to the next thing. Yeah. I love it, dude. I love it, man. Chris, dude, this was a lot of fun. I appreciate you jumping on with me, man, and spending some time with me. This was awesome. You're the real deal and uh, looking forward to connecting and staying connected with you, brother. I appreciate it. Thank you again for the opportunity, my man. Yes, sir. Chris gave so much value in that episode. And if you haven't listened to his podcast, No Quit Living, be sure and go and subscribe to his podcast as he just continues to give so much value, as well as follow him on Instagram as he just is constantly giving away free books and just giving so much value on Instagram as well. I love how he kept on bringing up Zig Ziglar's quote, failure is an event, it's not a person. I love that because it helps you identify that moment as you failed instead of identifying yourself as a failure. And man, that's such a big distinction. And I love the end. I love when he gave that bus analogy about people failing you. And and sometimes you're just going to have to let people off the bus and then let them back on at a later time. I love the 24-hour rule in the beginning of the podcast. I loved how he talked when it comes to challenges and obstacles. Just give it one more day. Just give it one more try. And then I loved how he used the quote, how he flipped it on its head. He said, you know, success leaves clues, but so does failure. And we have to make sure we study that failure. We can't focus too much on success. And oh, this episode is just so valuable. So send it over to one friend as it just has tons of value in it letting them know what you took away and then go over and subscribe to both the studying failure podcast and the no quit living podcast as well. So guys, until next time, remember that being positive isn't going to guarantee anything, but being positive is 100% going to give you a better chance of getting through this.